0: What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the
1: who dat who stuff? Who You know that's really kind of a, a fan. You know that's that's our, our our champ.
0: Duncan Holder podcast back at you. Larry Holder here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, if you're listening to this pod. Uh, you're doing it in a variety of ways, or you can do it in a variety of ways. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, Go rate, review, subscribe. Tell all your friends to jump on board. And, of course, you can join The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder for 40% off your first year subscription. You get all the podcasts, local, national, all the coverage all over the country, every sport You could possibly imagine we cover it here, of course, at The Athletic. We're international as well. So jump on all of the great storytelling and reporting done here at The Athletic. You can do so for 40% off theathletic.com slash dunk and holder. So, look, Saints news. Not really a ton of news going on right now in Saints land. The news of what we expected. Taysom Hill, the Saints, are planning on putting a first round tender on him. That's no surprise, so no need for us to dwell on that again until an extension possibly comes, which could come at some point next week with free agency. Of course, free agency is going to be uh, kind of a messy thing because we don't know how the CBA is going to go, so instead of jumping in that uh, before we kind of know what the unknown is at this point, we're going to go pretty heavy today on college football. Of course, LSU spring football is cranked up in Baton Rouge. Plenty of questions for the reigning national champions uh, as so many of their players are now draft eligible. So many different positions, different coaches. So what we're going to do today is that I had a chance to catch up with our own Brody Miller of The Athletic who does uh, Arguably the best job covering any team in the entire athletic universe. He has been tremendous. Uh, Been busting his tail all offseason, following the news and notes after a long season. And so we will dive in to that conversation, rejoin Saints' conversation, rejoin Pelicans' conversation next week as it kind of gets more hot and heavy uh, with, with those two teams joining us now on the Duncan Holder podcast Brody Miller LSU beat writer up in Baton Rouge he's had a busy uh, few months as far as LSU winning the national championship and now they're into spring football not a lot of rest time for you Broderick you, you hang it in there I know you're a, you have you're young blooded but still I mean that's a grind for anyone my friend
1: well, I'd say the mistake was February normally would have been where I turned my brain off a little bit, and as you know, I leaned into Mardi Gras pretty hard this year, so I kind of
0: wasted my good my good rest time. That was a mistake on my end, but but I'm hanging in there. Life isn't hard. But that comes with the territory. You need to etch that in. So usually, you know, every other team, they just do bowl season, and they don't have to worry about coaches leaving afterwards and then all this other stuff. And, uh, you know, good problems to have but bad problems to have. But, look, obviously we're going into spring football it's basically – it's almost like what I could hear Ed Ogeron saying, turn the page, turn the page, because now it's basically an entirely new team. Uh, look, spring football's ramped up. Would have been uh, – let's let's punt quarterback for a second because we'll dive into that later. But outside of that, what are maybe the couple of storylines that you're looking at uh, this offseason with this LSU team?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, if you're avoiding the quarterback one, which – Uh, I I appreciate. Uh, I mean, I think the the switch to a 4-3 front on defense under Bo Pelini, new defensive coordinator after all the success Dave Aranda had, I think that ranks pretty highly for me, not just because, hey, how will this new coach do and all that, but just how does he try to get the most out of personnel? You know, I mean, the strength of this team seems to be its defensive line. You're loaded up front with, you know, seven, eight guys you feel confident starting. That's huge. And then, you know, you feel really good about your secondary with guys like Derek Stingley and, and, and Jacoby Stevens and, and a pretty deep group there at safety and corner. The linebacker is completely wide open and it's not just like, oh, LSU doesn't have a lot of, you know, oh, you it know, doesn't have a lot of experience. No, I mean, it's desperate at linebacker. It's hunting the graduate transfer market. It's looking really hard at North Dakota states to Burl Cox. It, it, it's moving guys all around the field. For example, Devonte Lee, who out of a meet, who's a, you know, 225 pound receiver who a lot of people thought would be a safety one day. He's going to be playing linebacker now, which actually a great fit, but I don't know if he's going to be ready this year. There's a Marcel Brooks, who, you know, saw the field quite often as kind of a safety outside linebacker hybrid type for LSU he's going to be playing true inside linebacker, and that's, again, that's a weird fit, and you're trying to get the most out of some of these players, but... I think just kind of how Pelini fits these weird pieces together on defense I think is the number one story I'm looking for this spring. But then if you're looking for other ones, there's who replaces Justin Jefferson at receiver, how does the offensive line do when it's replacing all but one starter and and one of the next guys is suspended, things like that. I think those are some of the top ones that come out.
0: Well, Brody, let's start with the strength uh, because obviously we could point to a lot of question marks everywhere. You mentioned the defensive line. Uh, transitioning from 3 4 to now a 4 3. What are the pieces you're looking at uh, as far as playing those end spots? Because we're used to seeing names like, all right, defensive end, Richard Lawrence, and he's definitely not your 4 3 defensive end type. And so, and even if they had, say, like Caleb on chase on, uh, you know, if he were back, he's not your prototypical. Four, three, every down, and so, so who, uh, I, I know you, uh, you had a profile on McClendon, uh, I think, last week. I- I'm sure he's one guy, but who are some of the candidates you feel like can play that defensive end? Because I feel like we're familiar with the names who maybe be able to play in the middle.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I mean, pretty much all of the guys who were your your three four ends last year, your Glenn Logans, Neil Farrells, really good players. It sounds like they're going to be more three technique defensive tackle types. So I think yeah, there's it's going to be a lot of unknowns, like you said, TK McClendon, who you mentioned is definitely one of the guys who looks like he's gonna start at one of those spots. He's a he was a junior college tight end from a small town in Georgia who came to LSU as a tight end, is a freak athlete, six six, huge guy, has all the upside, but just never really found a great fit for him. He switched the defensive line, I wanna say last September. And it's gone really well. You heard rave reviews last season quietly as he was redshirting that, all right, this guy's going to be a stud for us down the road. So he's definitely one of the front runners there. It's his job to lose, but I don't think it's you know, secure or anything like that because he is so inexperienced. Then on the other side, you have, it adds to the question mark thing, you have a guy like Justin Thomas, who right now is number one on the other side. Justin Thomas is a really good pass rushing defensive lineman. He kind of brings some size. He was a 3-4 defensive end before, but he was suspended and left the team last fall for different disciplinary reasons and, and just returned to the team. So it just kind of adds to the question mark thing. And I'm really excited to see Justin Thomas. I think he's a lot of upside. I remember last year, you know, Dave Aranda loved his cheetah package with just one defensive lineman. Everyone else was linebackers and safeties. Justin Thomas, when they originally put that in last year, was that one defensive lineman in that pass rush package. They consider him the best pass rusher. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And then to throw some other names out there. They – they love true up uh, early enrollee, true freshman B.J. Ojolari. They think he's going to be a stud as he develops. I think that's one guy to watch. Andre Anthony's the other one, which is a name that people are probably getting a little tired of hearing because he was always kind of the the quote unquote next guy up at outside linebacker and just never really broke through. He's actually probably a better fit as a four three defensive end than he was as a linebacker. So he's another one who probably will definitely see the field. But yeah, a lot of question marks
0: there. But they do like the upside of their options. This may be a stretch. I don't know, but. You have so many new faces in so many new places, maybe on LSU's defense. Do you think that maybe help Bo Pelini as a fresh slate where a lot of these guys, they're not totally accustomed to having to play every down for say Dave Aranda and then completely switch like, uh, like Derek Stingley, his role doesn't change. I mean, Jacoby Stevens, his role is not going to change that much. The defensive tackles, obviously their role doesn't change that much. But you have so many new faces and maybe that they're learning something new and it's not having to say – Completely shift gears because they didn't play that much last year.
1: I think there's something to that for sure. I mean, I guess Damone Clark will still be the main linebacker and he's somebody who does have to change. But you're right, the rest of them not really. Marcel Brooks never really even played that position at all. So it's all new to him anyway. Devontae Lee, same thing. Whatever happens with Jabril Cox or whoever they bring in the grad transfer market. That is a good point. That you're not there's not much change in those linebackers. And and not even that it's that connected, but I think there's a lot of if you want to play devil's advocate, some positives to how much newness is on this team, is that there? there's an obvious risk of when you win a championship and have the year they had to get complacent and whatnot and to just kind of, you know, not even take off, but just maybe take your foot off the gas 5% or so. I think the fact that there's so much newness on this team and so much change, it kind of disallows that because these are guys who actually want to prove themselves. It's not guys who have much security. So I think there's if you want to, you know, be optimistic as an LSU fan, those are some positives you can take from it.
0: Well, I think LSU's fans probably going to come in. Even though they know it's new, they're going to assume that they could reach the highest of highs, and that just comes with fandom. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I think that's something that if LSU loses a game, it can't be the end of the world. I think people are going to – they could say that now, but in the moment, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to have those who uh, are buffoons and be like, fire coach. Oh, he doesn't know what he's doing after one <laughs> loss because people are could be idiots sometimes. But uh, – as we know about Stingley. We know about Stevens. Uh, who are we looking at to replace, say, Christian Fulton? Uh, and, and what are we looking at at safety?
1: Yeah, so to replace Christian Fulton, I think they have some good options there where, you know, you have Cordell Flott, who is my personal pick to win that job, but there's a long way to go. You know, he's the guy who was. As a true freshman, he was only a three-star prospect, wasn't a big guy, but he saw the field quite often as basically their third outside cornerback last year. And down the stretch of the postseason, they actually started using him in some of those, those kind of dime sets as, as kind of like a high-safety kind of uh, nickel-safety hybrid role. So I think he's somebody who they think is one of the best cover guys on the team. He's my front runner there just because he's the experience. But... Don't rule out true freshman Elias Ricks, who's a five-star, top-15 kind of prospect at a a California than IMG Academy, who is very talented, very smart, very... He needs to gain a lot of weight, and that's kind of what might hold him back, just in terms of being ready to start day one. He's gonna he's gonna be pretty limited this spring because he had a shoulder injury, but still, he's still an early enrollee, so he's still getting some advantages out of that. But I think those are two guys definitely to watch there, and they're two pretty good options. I mean, we probably better options than LSU's had at different times in the past few years in replacing some of these guys. And then also don't even rule out a guy like Jay Ward, who was another freshman last year who they liked and saw the field. So you like your options there, safety. Safety is fascinating this year because you have probably six guys you actually feel confident playing, like a lot of experience there. But just with that comes a lot of question marks where it's a, okay, you know Jacoby Stevens is going to be one of those guys, but then is the next guy Todd Harris? Todd Harris was their starter, going, one of their starters last season, but Torres ACL missed the season. How's his recovery going? He's going to miss most of the spring. Uh, then you have a, a Mo Hampton. Mo Hampton was the guy who took over and actually played a key role down the stretch for them You know, to help them Delta gets some rest and whatnot and played some three safety looks for them. Well, he's playing baseball right now, so he's missing the spring, and now he has a stress reaction in his back that might take him out most of the baseball season. And as you know, back issues are a really scary thing because they're kind of hard to predict and they don't really go away. So now you're worried about that. Then you have a guy like uh, Jordan Tolles coming in who – you know, Jordan Tolles is one of the most hyped-up freshmen, I think, if you talk to people at LSU that they're most impressed with. Another early enrollee, a guy who also is going to play basketball at LSU, a really talented guard. He's probably my name I'd really like highlight to be like, hey, just watch out for him. I think he's going to see the field this year. and I, and So I think that they have a lot of options there they like. I think I'm just curious to see. Like I said, all of them have their own little you know, question mark around it, so I'm curious to see how it plays out.
0: All right, Brody, we've gone 10 minutes and I'm proud of you. time's yeah. up quarterback talk. <laughs> Ten minutes. Usually that I could go panic mode and talk about that for 45 minutes. That's but why it's the best podcast. We all know it's Miles we're Brennan. Different. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're bucking the trend. I went defense <laughs> first. But uh, look, Tyler Brennan, uh, Ty- yeah, yeah, The Miles Brennan, uh, we look at him and he's the guy. And you just, it's, I know when Coach O had his press conference last week, and I know he's going to talk later on this week. He talks about all right. It's Miles He's getting all the snaps, this, that, and the other, unless someone beats him out. I mean, no one's beating him out, right? I, I can't, I can't foresee that. Uh, is that something that's even a remote possibility in your eyes?
1: Yeah, I mean. It's it's his
0: job, yeah. I'm am
1: absolutely agreeing with you. It, it, it's it's going to be Miles Brennan's job. Something crazy would have to happen, whether it be injury or. I mean, I guess if I wanted to throw out just a, a qualifier, they've been really, really, really impressed with true freshman Max Johnson, early enrollee. But still, I have no expectation that he's going to be ready to play, you know, year one or anything like that. So yeah, it's his job to keep, and it's a it's one of the more fascinating quarterback jobs I can remember because. Miles Brennan might go out, you know, with the receivers he has, with the modern offense finally installed, with it's this offense that fits what he likes. He might go out and throw for 3500 yards, 35 touchdowns and have a season that up until 2 years ago would have been the best season in LSU quarterback history. But because he's following Joe Burrow, and it's a tired storyline, but it's going to be the story all year, is that because he's following Joe Burrow, the scale is so weird now. It's that all of a sudden that he might do things that might be record-shattering before now seem lesser. And I think that's a, that's, a, that's a lot of pressure and just kind of weird context to go into it for a time like him.
0: And I know, uh, at least it's on the story budget, I did some homework. Later on this week, you're going to have a uh, profile uh, with uh... – With Miles Brennan, is that accurate, or am I just like... Wow, wait a, wait to just like give up my, my, give up my, uh, my security. What's the big deal? It's it's a preview. It's a <laughs> teaser. Come on, they know it's uh, coming. Yeah. At some point, it's li- you're li- writing one. <laughs> we're uh, it, it's we're not too sure when that's gonna come out yet. It, maybe
1: it'll be later this week. Maybe it'll be next week. But yes, there's a a Miles Brennan profile coming in the next
0: week or two for sure. Yes, breaking news. <laughs> Brody's gonna write about the quarterback. Yeah, breaking news. I'm sorry, I spilled the beans. For really you, Brody. going out on a limb here. <laughs> I know exactly. Well, I apologize for the timetable. You do it when it's ready. Oh, like, I'm
1: kidding. I'm kidding.
0: That's how we go with the athletic. Do it right. Do it when. It's ready. And then, and then of course, uh, Brody, of course, will knock that bad boy out the park. Okay, we know that LSU has a stable of running backs. I mean, there's no question about it. Are fans going to have to worry that this reverts back to old LSU offense because of the inexperience at quarterback and the glut of talent at running back?
1: I don't think so at all. I'd be, I mean, I think they'll run more than they did last year. There's no – I mean, there's that's definitely at least a fair assumption. But I, I would be really surprised. I, I think – I think it's all kind of, it's the tooth the toothpaste is out of the, you know, the tube now. and It's, it's, this is what it is now. And, and your strength of your team this season is the quarterback is your receiving core and that you have a more wide open offense and Eric Gilbert, a tight end and all these things. I think that's where you're getting your talent running back. Yeah. They have some good talent there and they have some guys they like, and maybe some of those offensive linemen coming in are going to be better run blockers. I'm not sure how that will play. So don't hold me to that, but I just don't think so. I think, Especially when you look at the fact that you kind of have a, some question marks on the offensive line. I think that means they're going to try to get the ball out faster. And they're going to try to, you know, kind of kind of like how they alleviate their offensive line issues in the 2018 Fiesta Bowl by just trying to get the ball out fast. So, yeah, I think uh, I would be pretty surprised. Do you, do I think we'll see more of it, especially considering two of those three running backs and Tyron Davis-Price and, and Chris Curry are kind of more bulldozer types? Maybe we'll see, you know, for, I, here's what I'd say. LSU last year in any third down or fourth down, their confidence was in Joe Burrow, right? You know, in a lot of those rundowns that people historically would do that, they'd be like, all right, Joe Burrow's going to get the first down, so we're passing. Maybe those situations you'll see revert back to the mean a little bit because you don't have that confidence in Joe Burrow and Miles Brennan. But overall, I would be pretty surprised.
0: You mentioned the offensive line. I know that has become an even bigger question mark uh, with Rosenthal leaving school uh, for now. Uh, Just... uh, from the people you've talked to uh, where is the level of concern there and do they expect him to come back or, or is that up in the air? I mean, is, are we going to be wondering if he's going to play kind of like Sadiq Charles? I mean, is it going to be something like that?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's one of those things that's always kind of tricky for us reporters to kind of tiptoe around a little bit. I mean, they, they, Ed Oshron said in his press conference last week, and he said it with some pretty strong confidence. He thinks that dare Rosenthal will be back this summer and be able to play now, to follow your next question, I, I'm speculating, so I don't want to don't get ahead of myself. But if you know it is disciplinary issues that are the reason he's not on, with the team this spring. If that's the case, it does seem pretty safe to say he might miss a game or two or three or or however many. And I again, so they still feel confident he's the left tackle, but when you have question marks surrounding 100% is he going to be back is he going to miss games that means you really need to spend this spring and this offseason making sure you're shoring things up at left tackle and you already have enough question marks there so cam wire is going to get the reps there and, and thomas perry as well and those are guys that they actually do like the upside of cam wires another another six six kind of really athletic project but kind of like rosenthal who's a six seven huge guy they think will be a stud but i think it's taken a while for wire to kind of for it to click with him maybe he'll turn to page this offseason and kind of be able to take a step we'll see but then you start wondering all right they have three grad transfer spots you assume one goes to linebacker and then after that you they're really going to look for the offensive line i don't think it's crazy to think they might use two spots on offensive linemen the market there hasn't been too strong from what i've heard in the offensive line department but maybe they try to find a center and an offensive tackle and maybe not even an offensive tackle to start but an offensive tackle just to bring some depth there i think that's a, a reasonable expectation so that's a question mark then you wonder, you know, who's gonna win the center job is Jason Hines is definitely the front runner there. But again, will a grad transfer come win that? Who knows? You know, then who wins the right guard competition between, you know, it's probably gonna be between Anthony Bradford and Cardell Thomas. They had they like the talent in general in the offensive line, but just all these question marks right now are definitely concerning when you're replacing that much.
0: All right, one more question, and then I will let Let's you do go. It. Uh we know Jamar Jamar Chase is the greatest history uh receiver in the history of the world (laughs) since he went to Rummel. We know that already. Uh look obviously the expectations for Terrace Marshall are gonna jump through the roof without Justin Jefferson uh Jordan Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, whatever. One of the Jeffersons. I'm now getting all confused. Justin Jefferson. And uh the word is what, uh Who's going to be that number three wide receiver? Is someone going to jump in? Because, I mean, we, we've seen LSU play five wide basically the entire season with three receivers, a tight end, and a running back. So uh, who's in the mix uh, to jump in and, and see snaps there?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think there's two answers to that. One, I think I'd start with the fact that I don't know if it's going to be a binary, you know, replacing the slot receiver kind of thing. I think you will see a little more guys moving around, right? That was something Joe Brady preached when he got here last year was, we don't want guys learning one position. We want them to learn all three and then you use them how we can. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be that. You Maybe you see Jamar Chase in the slot more. Maybe you see Eric Gilbert, the tight end in the slot more, things like that. But to answer your question, it's I think there's a few games to really watch there. Racy McMath is a, a receiver they really like who is a huge, bulky – I don't know his measurements, but I would, I would guess he's 6'4", 230. I mean, he's a big guy, and he's their special team star. He's a stud there. He's a f- very fast, very strong. They really like him, and I think he's technically, if you're probably looking at just confidence and depth chart, things like that, he'd probably be the highest up right now. Then the that other guy would, the watch would be Trey Palmer who, you know, out of Kentwood, really talented guy. Really, really fast, big plate caliber guy. We saw him take a punt return for a touchdown last year. I think he's probably the X-factor guy there who has a lot of upside, and I don't know what his best position is. I don't know where he could be best be used, but he will probably see the field just because he is such a weapon in that sense. And then, you know, you have a John Trey Kirkland in there. You mix him there. They like Jure Jenkins. They trust him. But then the real other guy to watch would be Keshawn Boutte, another Louisiana signee who's a five-star talent coming in. I think he's definitely the... I don't know how ready he's going to be. You never know with those things. You never want to put too much confidence in a true freshman, but he's probably the guy who could maybe come in and steal that job.
0: That's Brody Miller, LSU beat writer. Check out all of his work on The Athletic. And uh, Brody, uh, we appreciate the time here on the Duncan Holder Podcast. We'll catch up with you again down the line, my friend. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. You got it. All right. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, uh, you can check us out wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, uh, rate, review, subscribe, all those good things. And of course, uh, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can get your 40% off your first year annual subscription. So jump on there, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. So I want to thank our producer, Danielle, as always, and uh, we will be back next week for another edition of the Duncan Holder podcast here on the Athletics Podcast Network.